Hey guys, and welcome to episode 144 of the Stella Ray Herself podcast. This is the first episode of 2023. How was y'all's New Year's? Let me know. Mine was very chill in the house with my family up until 10 p.m. <laughs> with the new year obviously comes a lot of reflections and I talked about that a little bit in last week's episode. You know, on one hand, we're very focused on the future, you know, what goals we want to accomplish in the new year. But I think another huge part of this time of year is reflecting on the past, you know, thinking about what we did accomplish in the previous year. And I know some of you will relate. I experience this all the time, I think especially because most of my life has been online. But embarrassment at our past selves. This can range from, you know, a minor little incident that you're like, oh, that was cringy, to a lot of built up shame and just a little more extreme, you know, of an emotional response. In this article I read, he said, so often it is not our own response to events or situations that go wrong. It is the judgment of others and the subsequent feelings of not feeling good enough that will persist. So this is where shame comes in, you know? I know for me and a lot of you maybe that are on a healing journey, you know, you think back to past mistakes that you made or even just choices you made, you know, when you were a little less healed or when you didn't know. Renee Brown, queen of shame, <laughs> defines shame as the belief that you are unworthy of love and of belonging. Often when we feel shame, we feel very othered and maybe there's thoughts like, oh, I'm all alone. Everyone is judging me for my mistake. And having this shame can also create a sort of defensiveness and a hyper awareness, which is basically perfectionism, right? And again, Brene Brown says where perfectionism exists, shame is lurking. I've talked about perfectionism on this podcast before. I feel like it's something I've definitely struggled with and I don't even think I knew I struggled with it till like this year, honestly. I always thought perfectionism was like, you know, the girls in school that had the best handwriting, like their projects always looked the best because, oh, they were perfectionists. It's like when people say, oh, I have OCD and they just like things organized. Perfectionists frequently get discouraged and give up on long-term goals because they're unwilling to tolerate feeling less than perfect. The problem with perfectionism isn't high standards, it's the intolerance of difficult feelings and the difficult feelings being you know if I mess up if I don't do this perfectly or if this doesn't go perfectly then I am not enough I'm not worthy of love I'm not worthy of belonging so it's kind of like oh so what do we do when we feel embarrassed or cringy at our past selves or even ashamed I think a really big part of healing there's like the realizing where you went wrong before like oh if I had known then what I know now I would have done that differently which is great because it shows that you've learned, but then it can also bring this almost like judgment upon your past self. So I think it's really important to practice empathy to your past self and remind yourself that you didn't know. Or especially if it's something light, like, oh, my fashion used to be so cringy. Or for me, like when I watch old videos, sometimes I just feel like I'm so like hyper. <laughs> Ew, I can't believe I did my makeup like that or whatever. And it's like, bro, like that's just how I knew how to do it at the time. When it comes to bigger issues and maybe memories that bring up a little or a lot more shame. I feel like it's even more important to practice empathy and self-love in that way. And just to really remind yourself, like I didn't, I didn't know then what I know now. It's also important to reassess the power that you give other people's judgments because again, a lot of feeling embarrassed or cringy or ashamed of past decisions, again, however big or small they may have been, is the feeling of like, oh my God, I can't believe other people saw me like that. You know, like embarrassment, it's kind of like, oh, I'm embarrassed that other people are going to see this and perceive me 
as not enough or as stupid or as like, oh my God, she has like the worst makeup. <laughs> and therefore it's also so important to practice confidence. If you wanna start dressing more your own unique style, it can definitely be scary and like, oh my gosh, what are people gonna think? But then it's like, when you look back, you will look back at yourself like, oh my God, even if that outfit was cringy, at least I, you know, wasn't afraid to be myself and I had confidence and like, that's what I liked at the time. So I rocked it. This is so embarrassing, but. <laughs> Is it though? In eighth grade, there was like this time where I was super into thrifting and especially like vintage thrifting. I loved making lookbook videos and I would dress to school like wearing these like vintage maxi dresses and like hats and I had these heels. I swear they were like four, five inch heels, but I would like wear them to school. People would tell me like, oh, I thought you were like a teacher walking in the halls or like, oh, like I thought you were a teacher walking in the classroom because the shoes would like make that certain sound. So, I mean, I definitely look back like, oh, that's kind of um, cringy a little bit. Like this, like I was like unnecessarily extra, but then I think at this time, especially now that I'm like way older, I'm like, that's kind of iconic. Like, that's so cool I did that. Would I be like, yeah, I'd really recommend you wear like all these vintage clothes and like huge heels to school with like a little straw hat. No, but like it was a moment. Like I was doing what I wanted to do at the time and what I was into, so that's kind of iconic. Or like when I think of this guy that I used to talk to when I first moved to LA, now looking back after, you know, after just growing older, bro, after learning the game a little more, but also about learning about like attachment styles, watching Pretty Boy KB on TikTok, you know? It's like, obviously this guy did not like me, like obviously, but I just like was so oblivious to it. And so that's like embarrassing to look back on. That's not like a deep, like rooted, like shameful memory for me, but it's definitely like, oh my God, like. Bro, I did not know anything. So yeah, I think it just comes down to like, do what you want in the moment. Like again, with your style and stuff. And I think it's also about having self-trust. You know, like I trust myself to make the right decision for me at this time. Like I could change my mind later or maybe I'll look back on this and wish I did it differently, but I trust myself to make the right decision for me now. Brene Brown's four ways to move through shame for those, you know, maybe a little tougher memories. It's not just like, oh, my makeup was bad one year. It's like, no, like something actually really shameful happened to you. Maybe something really embarrassing. For me, it's always like memories of a teacher yelling at me or something. And I just like never forgot it. And I feel like that's where a lot of shame starts for people. It's kind of crazy to look back and think at all the teachers that really just like publicly humiliated kids, like young kids, just so unaware, you know, how that was going to affect the kid, how that was going to make the kid feel. But yeah, just that vibe of like an authority figure speaking down to you, especially in front of a large group. So the four ways are number one, to understand shame triggers and where you feel it in your body. When I feel shame, I usually feel it in my chest or like almost my stomach. You get punched in the stomach feeling or it's almost like I want to vomit. <laughs> Or like, you know, when your friend shows you an ugly pic of yourself and you're like, Ugh, like it's almost like that. The second thing is to develop critical awareness. Feel your feelings and don't bury them. So a great way to help with this is journaling because you can just really get everything out. Third way is to seek connection. You know, if you have a friend you can talk to, this really reduces shame as well because a large part of shame is like, oh, I'm the only one that has felt like this, that feels like this, you know, I'm like the odd man out. And again, that like othering kind of feeling. And the fourth thing is to seek empathy. Empathy for yourself, getting empathy from a friend. It really goes a long way. I think especially for yourself, you know, when you can practice empathy for younger versions of yourself, it's so important. And I think for me, a big thing that's helped me get through a lot of stuff like this, you know, just painful memories, shameful memories is learning about them like this. Education is so key, you know, and I just really wish that mental health was more normalized to be talked about and also taught about. We didn't learn about mental health at all in school. We had health class, but that was all like physical stuff. And I'm sure there was like a 
you know, a, a brief section on mental health. And they're always saying like, oh, mental health is so important. But I feel like our society just doesn't really reflect that. And I think especially growing up, so many people aren't given the tools needed to get through hard things, like hard emotional things and traumatic things. And then you have teachers, you know, yelling at young children, <laughs> traumatizing them. So anyway, learning about it has been really key for me because I can just like, it's almost like fitting the puzzle pieces in and like making connections. And it's like, oh, like I made that decision because I was feeling this way. Therefore, I can empathize with that version of myself. And I think another more lighthearted thing to keep in mind is that if you feel embarrassed at old versions of yourself. It's only because you keep glowing up, you know? So remember that going into 2023. I want to talk more about goal setting and how to actually stick to your goals this year. Before we do that, I want to read some of your guys's goals. I did a little Q&A on IG, so I'm just going to read a few of them so we, you know, just feel connected to each other. Apologize less and be more mindful. Love that. Take more IGs. I feel that one of my goals literally is to just take more photos for the memes because I realized I really didn't do that much this year. I used to take so many photos, like just for fun. And now I think because I post so much on my story, just kind of like rely on that. But I don't want memories of an IG story, you know? I mean, sometimes, but it's like, I just want photos. So anyway, I feel that. And also pictures of yourself, you know, where we're young, we're hot. Like, even if you're not young, you're probably hot. Like, let's remember, you know. Also setting up a Roth IRA. Y'all should definitely do that if possible. It's super easy. I didn't do it for the longest because I just didn't know how. But um, once you just learn about it, it's like, oh, okay, this is like easy. Stop caring about what others think so much and start caring about what I think and how I feel. A lot of people are saying less phone and social media time. Set those app limits, y'all. And I think also identify when it is you scroll the most. You guys, since being back home, my screen time is down so much. And I mean, this could go either way. Like for me, it's because I'm just with my family more, interacting with people. Like there's less time for me to just be alone in my apartment, like on TikTok. But I could see like if you live with, I don't know, annoying roommates or maybe you don't really like your family. So you're like in your room a lot. I could see your screen time being more, but I think doing things like reading, you know, being outside more, it definitely helps. A lot of people, the first thing when they do, me sometimes is like watch TikTok. So if you know like, oh, that's like an hour of screen time right there. It's like, just get up right away. Don't even look at your phone, force yourself method. Those are just a couple things that I do. Let me know if you have any tips though. Try to stop drinking at least for a while. Not drinking helps so much, bro. Working out more, taking back my power, have cold showers, feel that. Gain more hobbies and find more activities that make me happy. I love that one. It's like, sometimes I'm like, why not like literally, but I'm like, why would I have hobbies when I have social media. <laughs> so maybe that's a good tip for us, you know, find more hobbies. So I want to talk a little bit about why people don't typically achieve their goals. I found this really great article. I will link it down below, of course. So this is about why you can't stick to your goals. And it's really focused on perfectionism and outcome-based thinking. So for example, let's say I want to grow my channel. If I'm just so focused on like getting to a certain number, if I'm not making progress at the rate that I think I should be, it's also easy to get really discouraged because it's like, well, I'm just not going to get it. Like I might as well give up. This could also be for the gym. You know, let's say you want to start going to the gym. I want this type of body. I want my butt to look like this. I want my waist to look like this. And then it's like by the second week, you don't look like that. So you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm just never going to get there. Yeah. Okay. We all have like a goal. Make the goal and then kind of forget about it. And instead, focus on the things you can do daily that will help support your goal. So if my goal is again, to grow my channel, it's like, yeah, okay, I would like to get to this number, but let me just forget about that number and instead focus on 
the quality of my work every day, how many times I'm posting per week. And these are things that you can just kind of check off on a to-do list, yet they will help you on your goal. So again, for the gym, it's like, okay, yeah, I want this body or I want to lose this amount of weight or gain this amount of weight or gain this many inches, lose this many inches, whatever. How can I get there? Do something active every day. Even if I can't make it to the gym, I will at least go on a walk. I'll do some yoga. I'll do an at-home workout because little things build up. And I think especially especially with social media, we see these before and after pictures. And I think it's really easy to forget like how gradual things are. So that's why it can be crazy to look back at photos of yourself like, oh, I didn't even know I looked like that at the time because you didn't, you know? Being too focused on the final goal or outcome can derail you from getting there. And that really reminds me of like the book Come As You Are about but a huge takeaway from that book was like pleasure over performance. And you know, if it's really hard for you to orgasm with a partner, I mean in general, but especially with a partner, how focusing on, oh, I, I just, I want to get to that point. I need to get to that point can just like stress you out and therefore not get you in the zone you need to be to actually achieve it. So instead you need to focus on pleasure in the moment, like what feels good right now. And that's going to get you there. Versus like, oh my God, I just need to like do it. So same goes for setting goals, you know? Another thing that holds people back is perfectionism, which I was kind of talking about earlier. If you insist on feeling perfect about working towards your goals, you're very likely not to achieve them. If you're unwilling to tolerate feeling less than perfect, if that's really hard for you, I'm not saying it's like, a, oh, I need to be perfect way, but it's often very ingrained with a lot of shame and like, oh, I'm not enough. I'm not going to be lovable. People aren't going to accept me. So I think mindfulness really plays into that. And again, like a willingness to be uncomfortable. And I think also just noticing, again, being mindful about when you are feeling that perfectionism, kind of almost like anxiety and not judging it, being like, oh, there it is. But like, I must still do this. I think especially for creative type projects, that's such a huge thing. You know, sometimes I'm making a video and I'm like, I hate this, but it's like, bro, what's gonna get me closer to my goal like posting a video today that like okay maybe i don't love but it's like at least i have a video or not posting a video at all you know if you're like oh i don't have enough time to go to the gym it's like are you just gonna do nothing or are you gonna at least like go on a little walk around the block or something so that's really important to keep in mind another thing is making sure that you have goals for the right reasons the right reasons being for yourself and because you truly want to achieve this, not because someone else wants you to or because other people are doing it and you want to fit in. If you have trouble sticking with a long-term goal, it's worth reflecting on whose goal it really is and why you want to pursue it. It's almost like a mission statement, you know? I want to quit drinking because I want to feel healthier, have a better quality of life, sleep better, and because I don't want to embarrass myself anymore. I want to go to the gym because I want to feel healthier, I want to be snatched for summer, I want to feel confident, whatever it may be. So let me know if you relate to any of that, but I will link the full article down below. There's a lot more in it that is really helpful. And again, kind of a fresh perspective, definitely different than what I was talking about last week. For this next topic, trigger warning, abusive relationships and abusive men, TWSA. I'm not going to like go into detail about anything, but I am going to use a specific example of something that was in the news recently. So if this is at all triggering to you, don't listen. There was news last week that this really popular social media boxer we all know who he is i mean if you don't like god bless i don't want his name like in this like i don't want it to be in the captions i don't want to like draw i don't want to be in that algorithm but this guy's really known for his like just really far right like very misogynist views and he has a podcast and it's kind of like that vibe of like little boys especially being on tiktok falling down this you know rabbit hole of all this super misogynistic um, just really far right content and then like 
those are their beliefs and then they all like hate women and it's just like really scary. So this guy was arrested over the weekend and there was a picture of his website where basically he was admitting to how he like traffics these women. Like, oh, I can make any woman fall in love with me. Basically explaining his like manipulation. It was just really sickening and gross. As funny as some of the memes are of him and you know, like, oh, he acts so like, I don't know, flamboyant almost sometimes. It's like very odd. This is like really gross and scary. I think he was holding some women hostage and there was like, r-word charges and just all this really disgusting scary stuff that's like the main like trigger warning of we're not really going to go into too much of like r-word or anything like that but i did want to talk about and remind you guys of this book called why does he do that inside the minds of angry and controlling men this is a book i feel like every everybody but especially every woman especially if you date men but really if you have like any interaction with men you know if you had an abusive father growing up or just abusive men in your life or maybe you suspect that they were abusive and i think just for education as well like i really think everyone should read this book because even if you don't experience it you never know if your friend might be going through something and this book just has so much information signs to look for different characterizations of the different types of abusive men. This book has definitely been a game changer for me. I have talked about this before but towards the beginning of the book he lists all the different types of men, of abusive men. It's crazy how many different types there are. When some people think of an abusive man, I think of like this angry, like drunk, loud man who's gonna like beat you up. And that's why people so often are like, just leave, like just leave. But it's so much more complex than that. And there's so many intricate things that go into it. And it can look very differently from person to person, even though kind of the core of the beliefs are the same. So for example, there's Mr. Right. The central attitudes driving Mr. Right are, you should be in awe of my intelligence. You should look up to me intellectually. I know better than you. Your opinions aren't worth listening to. The fact that you sometimes disagree with me shows how sloppy your thinking is. If you would just accept that I know what's right, our relationship would be so much better. But then there's Mr. Sensitive. I am against the macho men, so I couldn't be abusive. As long as I use a lot of psychobabble, no one's going to believe that I'm mistreating you. Women should be grateful to me for not being like those other men. And then there's, you know, the mentally ill or addicted abuser. I'm not responsible for my actions because of my psychological or substance problems. If you challenge me about my abusiveness, you're being mean to me. I'm not abusive, I'm just an alcoholic or a drug addict. So those are just a few of the different examples. Um, but it's kind of crazy, like when you read them and you're like, oh, I didn't know that that was like abuse. This book literally goes through everything. So another thing I wanted to read is the power of those wonderful early months. And this is where so many people get it wrong. Like, just leave him. You guys know the analogy of like the frog in the, in the water. Like, obviously, if you put a frog in boiling water, it would jump out. But if you put a frog in cold water and you just slowly turn it up, by the time it's boiling, it's too late. And this is literally exactly what this man's website was saying. Like, I can get any woman to fall in love with me. They'll do anything I say. Like, they'll be obsessed with me. Like any love-struck person, she runs around telling her friends and family what a terrific guy he is. After talking him up so much, she feels embarrassed to reveal his mistreatment. So she keeps it to herself for a long time. She assumes that his abusiveness comes from something that has gone wrong inside of him. What else is she to conclude given how wonderful he was at first? She has a hard time letting go of her own dream since she thought she'd found a wonderful man. She can't help wondering if she did something wrong or has some great personal deficit that knocked down their castle in the sky. So she tries to find the key to the problem inside of herself. So these are some red flags. He speaks disrespectfully about his former partners. 
He's disrespectful towards you. He does favors for you that you don't want or puts on a show of generosity that makes you uncomfortable. Love bombing. He is controlling. And this begins so subtly, you guys. Just saying little things like, oh, you shouldn't wear that. Shows a hint of impatience when you resist his recommendations. It's a little negative about your family or one of your good friends. Starts to pressure you to spend more time with him or to quit your job or to get a better job and acts bothered if you don't share all of his opinions. You are not crazy. Trust your perceptions of how your abusive partner treats you and thinks about you. So that's just like a little taste of what this book has to offer. But again, I would really recommend it. And I think one of the most important things, again, is to trust your own feelings from the start. I've said this to you guys before, but like low-key first impressions are everything. Like the first feeling you have around someone can really say a lot. And not like the feeling like, I just know there's been times where like, I was like, I don't know about this guy, but then, oh, he happened to be so charming and like, oh my God, he was actually a great guy and he made me laugh and he laughed at my jokes and I was like, oh my God. So then we get to know each other a little more and it's like, oh, he actually was psychotic. Got it. I don't know if that's the right word to use. Abusive, should we say. The education is also really important. So reading this book, you know, and really, really knowing and ingraining in your mind the red flags of an abusive man. Reading that guy's website, like the pictures of it on Twitter were so scary because I just feel like, like, I don't want to say, oh, there's so many guys out there like that, but there are guys out there like that. And, and if you don't know what to look for, like, obviously, you know, you're going to be entrapped because they're smart. They know how to present themselves at this, as this perfect guy. And they use your own mind against you. You know, they're going to make you doubt your own intuition and feel crazy. The embarrassment and the shame that goes in that, like, it's so easy, of course, to be like, I would just leave. Oh, I would tell my friend, but you're not in it. You know, like you haven't been mentally manipulated to that point where like you don't even trust yourself. Definitely read this book, y'all. It's so important. If you literally know any man, read this book. <laughs> and at the end of the book, also, it talks about how to get out of a relationship safely. So again, it's a really like the full package, you know, not sponsored, but I just like, I was so shook when I read this book and I feel like it has helped me so much in dating. Great resource if you are single and dating because just knowing those early red flags, the early warning signs, you know, if you're like going on a first date with someone, you know what to look for. Isn't it just exhausting to date sometimes when you're like dating men? Because it's like, yeah, I'm sure dating would be hard enough as it is. Just like, oh, do our personalities get along? Do we have the same, you know, likes and dislikes? But then it's like, are you going to emotionally manipulate me? Do I have to like fear my life around you? Are you going to try to traffic me? We laugh to keep from crying for real. So not to end this podcast on like a negative, no, but it's not negativity. You know, it's education, it's awareness, and it's knowing what to look for, how to spot it so that it doesn't escalate and so that you can remove yourself safely from a situation or b before it becomes a situation. So many men rely on like manipulation, you know, like even if they're not like, oh my God, such an abusive man. It's like most men have to manipulate you to some degree to like get sex out of you or to have a hookup. And so again, knowing what to look for knowing your worth, knowing your boundaries. But with all of that being said, don't beat yourself up for not getting out of a situation sooner or like, oh, I wish I had said no. There's already so much shitty feeling within those types of situations as it is. So, I mean, it's easy to say, like, just don't be ashamed. But I guess I say that to say like, I understand. Definitely read this book. I will link it down below. If anyone has a PDF, let me know and I'll try to link that as well. So that's gonna be it for this week's episode. First episode of 2023. Hope you guys enjoyed. As always, don't forget to tweet me or IG story, screenshot me a screenshot of you listening or an aesthetic pic or video. Leave a comment down below with your thoughts on anything and let me know what you want me to discuss next week. Love you guys and bye everyone.